If you have to come up with a plan B to retool as a leader in today's down economy, with the experience and knowledge you already have, these are the exact steps you can take to thrive. Welcome to the Visionary Leaders Circle podcast. I am your host, Dr. Ginny Barrow. Leaders want it all. In this podcast, we talk about it all, from how to integrate all of who you are, developing leadership skills and empowering yourself with a growth mindset in your career, relationships, finances, and even your emotional, physical, and spiritual health. Thank you for joining us. Thank you so much for making time to sit down with me and to uh, talk about the questions that um, I had mentioned to you that were really important to me and that I think that the people that are listening and watching these interviews um, will benefit from. So the first question, let's go right in and feel free to give us a little bit of your background as you tell us from your perspective, what leadership skills are most critical in this challenging environment? Okay, so I'll start by saying I love your background. Also, Jenny, it's nice and warm. I love the candle burning. I haven't seen that on any of the backgrounds. So kudos for you. That's Thank leadership. you. <laughs> uh, a little about uh, me. I've been in the financial services industry, wealth management, for more than 30 years. I've um, been a financial advisor for 20 years, and then I uh, did an international assignment as an international team coach in Europe. Um, Europe, the Middle East, and Africa for three years and came back, went into wealth management again. And uh, then I also ran a, or I should say managed a nonprofit organization for under-resourced youth. Uh, and so that was good to get that nonprofit management leadership experience as the executive director. And now I'm back, you know, where I really belong, which is back in wealth management with a team. Uh, my team is based in New York. I live in New Jersey. And before COVID, I commuted a few days a week. So I've done a lot of things uh, in a row as a financial advisor, as a team, as a part of a team, as a sole proprietor. Um, when I was in Europe, that, that was me just leading pretty much the whole region. So I've done quite a few things. And from my perspective, um, the, the most critical skills um, for leadership. Number one, emotional intelligence. Just having the ability to connect with others, um, to have empathy, to tune in, to know when things are going on that are often unsaid, but whether that ability is innate or whether it's something that you practice and develop, it's an important skill, it's a critical, um, it's a critical skill to have. Secondly, I would say communication in times of crisis. So right now we are definitely in the middle of crisis. And um, one thing I've learned as a financial advisor is when things are really going bad, it is so hard to pick up that phone and call people. But leaders lead and leaders pick up the phone when it's the heaviest thing to pick up. So reaching out, communicating with your clients, your friends, your family, whoever, but especially in times of crisis, people really remember that and appreciate that. And then third, I would say, be honest and develop trust. Well, that's probably really number one, but be honest and develop trust with your friends, with your clients, and um, you show them that you care. My, my, I'm trying to think, our first lady always says, people don't uh, care how much you know until they know how much you care. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so show people that you care. 
And so the example I would use is that um, recently I called um, a client um, and I called him and I said, I know we don't have a scheduled call today, but you've been on my mind. I've been thinking about you. The last time we spoke, I felt you were a little distracted. Even as you're saying hello today, sounds like you're a little bit down. And uh, he said, you know, and then I listened for 10 minutes. So in that 10 minutes, he shared with me what was going on with him, how I was making him feel, how I was impacting him. Um, and um, when he finished, he thanked me so much for being perceptive, for, for you know being able to tune in that something was wrong, for caring enough to pick up the phone and call him. And, uh, you know, and I knew it was very busy, so I wasn't sure how the call was going to be received right then, but I just felt it was something I should do. And then something we had been working on for a couple of months and I hadn't gotten him to move forward on, he brought it up and he said, I've been distracted. I haven't been able to focus on business decisions as much as I would like to. I'm going to take these steps to move our project forward. And, um, and again, he thanked me so much for paying attention and, and uh, having the emotional intelligence. That's not the phrase he used, but that's what he was saying. So I thought that was a good example of all of those things, communicating in crisis, because he talked a lot about COVID and its impact, uh, being honest, showing that I cared and, and showing empathy. That's a great example too, right? Of how to use those, your EQ, and, and, and the part of EQ that I hear you using is your social awareness. You were able to pick up on his energy and what was happening with him. And that also took a lot of courage <laughs> it did. to speak what you, what you sensed. Yeah. And from that, look what happened, right? This wonderful connection happened. Mm -hmm. It does take a lot of courage. It does. And, and in your role, uh, Deb, as somebody who is in relationship management, mm -hmm. that is a crucial skill for you and any professional who is in any type of relationship management position, mm -hmm. right? Developing those connections with people. Mm -hmm. So let's go into the second uh, question because I believe that what you share in question one, I would love to adapt what you share in question one to, uh, to question two, which is how should companies approach developing their leaders and talent during this time especially in the context of the answers that you gave to question number one, which is developing their EQ, their communication, uh, communicating in a crisis, and also showing that you care. Okay, so I couldn't quite use the same terminology, but I think underlying a lot of the things are, are really shared in my response to the second question. So one of the things I would recommend is that um, companies have to make sure that the team they have is on board with the mission they're trying to accomplish. So um, you have to make sure that they understand your value proposition and that they're all going to find a way to work together. I also think when they're onboarding new members, uh, mentorship, mentorship, mentorship. That's such an important concept. Assigning uh, a mentor to a new team member when they come on board and having them stay with them or another mentor over a year or two could help so much in um, um, having a person feel welcome, get engaged, and stay and, and really invest in the corporation. That's an investment you're making in them. And, and, it, and um, it almost sounds like that's also showing them you care. Yeah, it is. Well, it, it absolutely is. It is showing them because 
if you're out there just on your own and you have to figure it all out floundering so, floundering that's so different right you flounder away weeks and months that's so different from someone saying we're so glad you're here let me kind of show you what it is we do and you make them feel included and a person if you're inclusive and the person feels that you'll get so much more productivity out of them instead of having them waste their time thinking do they really want me here but you you understand yes and you run them up like you say you, you're ramping them up faster yes exactly exactly uh, also um, well it's same thing companies must listen listen um, instead of handing down directives from a top-down position managing from a bottom-up position involving all of your team uh, utilizing the skills and um, talents and leadership skills that they have especially in the middle of this tumultuous social change that we're going through that is what employees are looking for they don't want to hear the old top-down approach they want to say how can i get involved how can you use what i bring to the table you know how can i improve myself to to be where you want me to go so that that kind of involvement and then and the a last thing up, and a follow-up to that uh that would be so then i'm hearing what you're saying that one of our responsibilities as companies is to create that space where employees can actually voice what it is that they want and how they they want to fulfill their needs during the situation absolutely and probably our technology companies are probably leading the way in in creating that type of space and how they interact with their employees and and their models are probably something that older more mature companies could could benefit from and then the last thing i would add is build a diverse team mm. so building a diverse team diverse teams will deliver diverse opinions and unique ways of solving problems diverse teams will help you avoid groupthink. so the same thing opening up the um what's the word i want to use opening up the architecture whether it's physically with space but definitely the architecture of listening to other people and and creating the space for their input as a follow-up to 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 this answer on question number two, how can companies approach developing their leaders and talent during this time? And you mentioned um, ensuring that everybody knows the mission, ensuring that there's mentorship from the time that the person comes in, and including people listening, right? Building a diverse team. What do you think is getting in the way of companies doing that today, Deb? That's such a good question. I think just that, that mindset of we know best, we know how to do this. This is how it's been done. This is how we do it. I don't know. I'll, I'll give an example of what I did when I was managing the uh, nonprofit organization. Um, I was new, so this was tennis. I didn't play tennis before, so this was a, a new product, let's say to me. But um, managing people, leading people, it's pretty much the same. And one of the things we found, um, of course, with a nonprofit is fundraising, fundraising, fundraising. And I found that uh, in every endeavor of fundraising, we ran into all sorts of bottlenecks with our databases. So we had old legacy technology with new legacy built over. And so finally, what I did was I called in all the stakeholders, the program manager, the executive administrator, the intern who helped 
uh, with finance, the finance manager, the event planner, and one of the board members who's, whose company managed databases. And I got them all in a room and they all had to report on, you know, they prepared before, what, what are the bottlenecks for you? What are the challenges for you? What are, what are, what are? And they were all in a room and they figured it all out themselves. I didn't, I couldn't come up with the solution. I didn't come up with the solution. They figured it out. And what was the result? We had a much closer team. We had a team that bonded together. We had a team that were so excited that their particular skills and talents were being utilized and that they were important, so they felt valued. Um, and, it, and it went on from there. We became much more effective at fundraising because we had a much smoother database. We got to bring in the board member now connecting with the uh, members of the organization. So it was just a good outcome all around. It seems so simple. I didn't understand why no one had done it before, but the fact is, it hadn't been done before. And uh, yeah, and it took, you know, uh, leadership to make that happen. And I, I just, you know, always remember the, the how excited everyone was and so many good outcomes from that. And I thought it was a good example for what organizations could do. It's a perfect example. And uh, in that, there's a lot of courage and vulnerability uh, in bringing a group of people and saying, not coming from the spirit of, I don't know the answer, but more, more so from the place of, let's come up with an answer. Mm -hmm. Because you alone couldn't have possibly, like you said, come up with the answers that everybody collectively came up with. Exactly, exactly. That's a beautiful example. So if you, uh, the last question uh, that we have, Deb, is what advice would you give to the leaders in this training that are listening and watching who are looking to create a unique edge? Okay. Um, we all have lots of good advice. The things I decided to share is, number one, a leader should always work to build partnership relationships. You can't do everything yourself. So you have to step out of your comfort zone, create a team, create people around you who would be uh, willing to help. You have to be willing to share power and learn from others. A uh, second thing uh, is pay attention to the people you do surround yourself with. You want people in your corner who will support your dreams, who will raise your standards, and who will believe in your ability to make the impossible possible. And um, Read, read books, read books on leadership. Um, Fearless Women at Work by Dr. Jenny Barrow. <laughs> <laughs> nice plug. I love you. <laughs> uh, I work with a, an, another coach who uh, helped me with my wealth management practice, Curtis Brown. Curtis wrote a book on supernova advisor teams, but it's all about leadership and, and how to work with teams. So, and I personally love to read. Um, um, biographies, yeah. uh, non-fictional biographies, Michelle Obama, Barack Obama, um, who, some of my, um, I have so many favorites, uh, Nelson Mandela, I have so many favorites, but when you read non-fiction bi biographies, Ted Kennedy, you just learn so much about leadership and how people may not have had everything figured out at first and their journey along the way. I think leaders should get a coach. Gotcha. I always have a coach. I have a coach, whether it's a paid uh, position or whether it is a business relationship that I've developed that has, the person has become an informal coach. But whatever I'm doing, I always have a coach um, 
one, two, or three coaches in the background because the contribution of other people are very, it's very important. Whether you're managing up how to work with your managers, you need a coach, you need someone who you can trust, um, who will keep confidence of what you have to discuss, and uh, who could maybe come from you from sitting in the chair of a manager of their employees that could help you improve your relationship with your manager and then managing down, of course, how to do different things with your team. But someone who believes in you unconditionally, whose advice you know you can trust, you know they have your best interest at heart. So one of the um, examples that uh, making the impossible possible, one of my former coaches who had been a professional and a friend for years and years, I was struggling with a, a personal problem that was um, extremely critical, impacted my life in all sorts of ways. And finally, one day I had a conversation with him and he said, Deborah, um, there's only one thing you can do as I see it. And I said, okay, what's that? He said, it's time for you to create a miracle. This is, no, he said, this is what you need to do. And I said, but that's impossible. And he said, well, Deborah, I've seen you create miracles before. It's time for you to create a miracle. So in other words, he was telling me it was time for me to, to make the impossible possible. And that's exactly what I did, changed my life. So, but having that person in the background say that to me and for it to connect and for me to really get it, I may not have gotten the same thing from a friend. I just picked up the phone and called and we would discuss what was going on. So. Um, those kind of things. A coach is valuable in so many ways. And yes, it may be a plug for you, Jenny, but it's not intended to be. It is. It is one of the reality. most. It's, yeah, it's one of the most uh, valuable assets I have always had in my toolbox. Thank you so much, Deb. And I want to follow up. Thank you for that wonderful feedback, by the way, in terms of what advice would you give uh, from building team relationships to sharing power. And I actually want to go into that one a little bit. Mm -hmm. because I understand that in many cases, everything boils down to money and power. Mm -hmm. Let's be honest. Look around, right? <laughs> so um, when you, why do we have 132,000 plus de deaths in the United States? We aren't so cooperating to help solve the problem. We aren't sharing power. And so that's what I wanted to ask you. When we talk about corporations sharing power and leaders sharing power, what does that look like from your perspective when it's done efficiently and effectively and productively? Sharing power. I'll use this example. In my early years as a financial advisor, I had different types of managers. I had one manager that was very autocratic that stymied me all the time that I just found extremely hard to work with. He wanted to have everyone in their seats on the phone all day long. But that's not how I do my best work. My best work is sitting down in front of a client, building a relationship, developing trust, and, 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 and not cold calling on the phone. So my manager changed. And one day, you know, it's a very tall man. I was on the phone and I could see this towering shadow kind of standing over me. And I turned around and he says, I want you out of the office right now. And I was like, what do you mean? And he says, if it's any judge by your production 
every time I see you in the conference room with the client, or I understand that you're out on a conference, on, on a meeting with a client, the next day your production is off the chart. So that tells me you shouldn't be wasting your time sitting here on the phone. You should be out meeting clients. The less I see of you, the better. So we laugh. <laughs> and so about a month later, he stopped by and he says, Deb, you know, when I said I wanted you out of the office, I didn't mean 100% of the time. I haven't seen we talk, but it changed my life as an advisor, giving me the freedom. And so the other manager was so he he had to hold all the power. He wanted to dictate exactly how everyone did it did everything. And the truth is, we were all different individuals. Our new manager was perceptive, and he understood that. So he worked with us as individuals. The things that made us shine as individuals, those are the things he encouraged. So I, I'd always thought that that was just such a smart example of good leadership. To treat um, everybody as an individual. Yeah, and he was sharing the power because, I mean, quite honestly, I could be out doing whatever. But, you know, that wasn't important to him. He knew I would be out doing my job. And the numbers spoke for themselves. And the numbers spoke. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Right? There were KPIs in place that yeah. people could actually use to see how effective you were being. Yeah. So I don't know if that's what you were looking for. Yeah, absolutely. So thank you so much. I, I always want to learn a little bit more about what you mean by what you say. And so thank mm -hmm. you for your time and spending these 20 minutes with us and sharing your, your pearls of wisdom, literally <laughs> pearls of wisdom. So thank you so much. So Jenny, one thing I wanted to make sure I said is that um, I want all of us to remember that all of these things we do are all connected. Spirit, our spiritual being, our emotional being, our physical being, our psychological being, we can't separate it. We have to make sure that we give each part of our being what it needs, the exercise, the, you know, going to church, whatever it is that we need, you know, reading something, whatever it is we need to um, fuel those different parts of us. And when we don't, it's disconnected. We aren't as effective as leaders are as, as human beings. And so I, I, in all of this that we're talking about being leaders, I wanted to make sure that they pay attention to themselves like you do in your, care, in your book on your care self-help regimen. It's very important. Take care of your whole being. Thank you so much, Deb. Yeah, self-care is so important. And you're right, right? We can't separate. I was having this conversation with a, with a client. We can't really separate your career from your personal life, from your spiritual life, from your physical <laughs> life. It, it's all interrelated. It's all, everything impacts everything else. So mm -hmm. thank you so much for leaving us with such a beautiful message. If there's anything else you want to share about, how can people find you? How can they reach you? That's a great idea. Yes, I work with um, High Tower Advisors, and my team is LRG Wealth Advisors. My, um, I use my cell, so my cell number is 732-213-2159, because we're in the office. And you can reach me by email at dfraser, F-R-A-Z-I-E-R, at hightoweradvisors.com. So Hightower is just like it sounds, H-I-G-H-T-O-W-E-R-A-D-V-I-S-O-R-S. Com. Wonderful. Thank you so much, Deb. And I'll make sure that we put that in the uh, description. Thank you so much for inviting me. Thank you me for your wonderful time. And uh, I'm looking forward to seeing you again. I know we met at uh, volunteering together at eSchool for Girls. 
-hmm. And this year, unfortunately, we were not able to do it due to the pandemic, but I am looking forward to collaborating with you again in the future and seeing what we create from this and from other projects. If you enjoy this content, subscribe to our podcast and share it with your friends. And if you want to stay in touch and hear from us, join our community to receive valuable strategies and tools at executivebound.com. I'll see you next time.